The Fire Store, equipping protectors with passion. Every decision the Fire Store makes as a company is about its customers. As the holiday season has quickly approached, explore a wide selection of unique and practical gifts at the Fire Store's gift center. Find the perfect presence for firefighters, EMTs, and first responders today. The Fire Store's goal is to get you the gear you need when you need it at prices you can afford. Visit thefirestore.com for everything but the truck and shop its family of brands including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, Visit MagnaGrip.com. Good evening and welcome to Scenes of Violence with Steve Hamilton. Right before Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy Holidays. Um, Thank you for tuning in this evening. Uh, Tonight's guest is a friend of the show, not a stranger by any means. Uh, Dave McGlenn, excuse me, Chief Dave McGlenn, because it it's official. It's Chief now, right? It's not. It's no, not, no, it's not official yet. It's not it's official. Interim, yet. It's interim chief. Right. Yeah, interim. Yeah. So you, it's not assistant. You're higher than me. In the current status, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm higher than assistant, but that's there's no guarantee. I may end up putting three back on. So. You're always a chief in my book. No, thanks. You too, buddy. <laughs> so <clears throat> there are those who do not know the great Dave McGlenn. They should be few, but there's a rare chance that somebody tuning in this evening does not know the great Dave McGlenn. Could be because they've lived under a rock for the last five years. I don't know. That being said, Please introduce yourself a little bit. Let people know who is Dave McClain. Well, um, I appreciate that. I, I, I'm okay with not a lot of people uh, knowing. Um, so it's funny. The more that we do this stuff and the, and the more that we reach people, uh, the more enemies you get. So I like to try to keep my circle small if I can. <clears throat> um so I'm Dave McGlynn. Uh, I grew up in uh, New Jersey. I grew up right outside Staten Island. I have to say that to people because people never know the town I grew up in is Woodbridge Township. So it's nearby Rawway, New Jersey, which is actually where I was born and then grew up in uh, the Island section of Woodbridge Township. It's right outside Staten Island. Uh, spent almost eight years in the fire service there. And then I uh, got hired with the federal government, uh, moved up to Maine, working for a naval air station. That was a completely different element, something that I wasn't normally used to as far as like uh, aircraft firefighting, just a different type of skill set. Uh, so I was up there to base Bract. I ended up down in Pennsylvania. I worked uh, my way up into getting promoted. I made a uh, supervisory captain in 2013, I think. I uh, did that for uh, a little bit, and then I ended up uh, up at West Point where I got the training chief job which I didn't think I would get. And I, I always tell everybody that, like I was very transparent 
my bad. I got a bad shoulder. So nature of the beast of the job. I was very transparent in my interview, so I didn't think I would get the job. And um, and then lo and behold, they ended up offering me the job. So uh, so I got it. I got here's my son. <laughs> I got uh, two kids, uh, Angela and Michael. That Michael the Mick. That's him right there. Now he's hiding out because I called him out. Uh, and I'm married to a Brooklyn-born Puerto Rican, Chrissy. Uh, did the whole West Point thing. Ended up having an opportunity to transfer down to Letterkenny, which is back in Pennsylvania. I got an assistant chief job there. Still doing training. I promoted as the ops chief. I didn't want to let go of training. Hammy, you know me. You know I love training, so it was hard for me to let go of it because I wasn't done. So even though I took on a, the rank of being the ops chief, I did not relinquish training. I convinced the fire chief to let me dual hat it for no extra pay um, just because I was that much of a control freak over the training program. Uh, fire chief had left, um, and for the past few months, I've been the interim chief, and I don't know uh, if or who is uh, going to permanently get that position. My hope is, is that I would have an opportunity, but who knows? Nonetheless, I don't have any qualms with it because I enjoy still doing training. So if uh, it didn't work out, I still get to go back and still do that thing that I love that I'm not finished with yet. Uh, just finished writing my first book called The Training Officer, Do You Have What It Takes? Hammy's in it. He did a contribution in Chapter 7, so I appreciate that. I uh, had Counting Hammy. I had 10 good contributors, 10 great, great, amazing instructors, authors, uh, people that go all around the country, uh, teaching and spreading their message and doing this type of stuff on a podcast and whatnot, uh, contribute to it. I've been blessed. Here he is. I've been blessed to teach at fire, uh, FDIC, uh, and write for fire engineering, um, written for fire engineering consistently since 2016, uh, or 15, maybe 15. I don't remember. And uh, I've been teaching, uh, with FDIC fire department instructors conference since, uh, got accepted in 2017 Been on the e-board uh, or on the executive board, uh, or advisory board with them. Now me and you both, Hammy, it's surreal. Um, I'm very passionate about training. Anybody knows me knows I'm very passionate about training. It's not mean that I'm an SME for training. I'm not, I just love it. I think that, um, you know, as the saying goes, you can never train enough for a job that'll kill you. You know, that's just how it is, man. I mean, it's just, we should always be preparing for the worst, you know, training, I think is uh, putting a hundred percent effort into something that you might only have to do 10% of the time. That's it. That's me. Oh, and I have my own podcast called the training officer on fire engineering. I was about to say, you, you, you got a podcast too, you should probably throw that out. Right. Yeah, I left that part out. Um, yeah, our our relationship with each other is, is, isn't a secret. Um, <laughs> what would you say, 2014? Yeah, no. 14, 15, around there, uh, we started to communicate. The training network. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we, we got that officially kicked off in 17. You know, I mean, just yep. I'm taking that away. But so just for the audience, so so uh, where Hammy's going with this, this is something that we had worked on. We discussed for a while and and, uh, you know, Hammy had this idea about like how we need to kind of get training officers to talk and communicate to one another. And then uh, we went through the bureaucracy of, of that. And, uh, and we got oh, it kicked it off and presented. It was, it, was, yeah. it was totally fine. Right. Um, we got it kicked off and presented to uh, the Army around 2017. And then we spent two years straight working on a regulation rewrite for training requirements for uh, for firefighters. Uh, and 
it was uh it was no easy no easy thing it was a challenge on a daily basis but we, but we made it through and and i'm proud of that so yeah you know we've worked uh even with you being in south carolina me uh for a lot of times at the time being up in new york and then still in pennsylvania um we got closer because we were working so hard on this this one product um to make sure that it was done right for for you know for the future for for our thing so what i might be dating myself i live by these things sheriff's notebook we call it a sheriff's notebook you're dating yourself um i found one the other day which was my notebook that i used when i started taking notes of our first phone call nice when we were talking about stuff you me and uh uh John Ryan. Ryan. Yep. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Telling since you're, uh, since you're here this evening. Um, I think, uh, I think training is a huge component to the show, obviously for things that you've articulated and, you know, us being affiliated with FDIC for, long time now um everything starts with training i believe everything starts with training policy changes starts with training new computer platforms start with changing new or training new phone systems new tactics new trucks new equipment new concept everything if you want to change an sop it should start with training that's what's going to tell you what's going to, whether it's going to work or it's not going to work. And there's been a very consistent common theme with not just scenes of violence, which kind of doesn't get the fanfare. Active shooter has, has pretty much drowned out everything else in related to, to violent scene response. Um, but the biggest commonality between all that is training. We don't train with the cops enough. The cops don't train with us enough. We don't train with the EMS, vice versa, back and forth and back and forth. Um, what is your take on where we are now versus where we were, say, 10 years ago when people were, you know, with megaphones, full phones, like, screaming and yelling we must train together where do you think we are now well that's a great question and so where we are now is i'll say in all technicality not a political answer we're a 180 from where we were 10 years ago and that's not an insult to people uh, that were doing this 10 years ago the fire service, as to to quote you, you know, I use it often. Is it ebbs and flows? Um, you know, uh, it's an ever evolving service and business that we're in. Uh, and with that, um, you know, things have changed. We have to recognize the need for change. We have to recognize the need for improvement. We have to expose those gaps. We have to find a way to implement and fill those gaps. I think. We've recognized, I don't want to say recognized, I think we've accepted the importance and value of training more now 
than we ever have in the past. Um, I would think, I think that uh, we've done an amazing job of being more accepting to what we're going to do in the future. Um, I'm excited to see what the next 10 years are going to look like, how much we're going to grow compared to what we've grown over the past 10 years. Um, I think we're doing a great job. I think we finally accepted the reality of um, like active shooter, right? We've accepted that this is a real thing. We've accepted that we weren't prepared. Um, most, most of us have accepted. There's some, there's still some work to do in convincing people that this is a priority focus. However, nonetheless, um, we've accepted that these things are real and that we're not prepared. And how do we get prepared? Well, training, you, you can't replicate this. <laughs> My biggest fan over here. You can't replicate that incident, that type of incident, because, you know, people would get hurt. So you have to do it through training, right? So I think we've done an amazing job of of creating workshops, workforces. I think that we've done an amazing job of uh, communicating better through things like this, through channels like the internet and uh, the podcast. I think that uh, resource is more accessible. Resources and information is more accessible and sharing information than it ever was 10 and plus 20 years ago. Um, so it's only going to grow. I think that the biggest hurdle what's stumping me right now isn't to answer the question. It's just, it's, it's, it's just become real to me. It took us 10 years to accept that we weren't training enough. And we've always known training was important, but like, if you think about it, like just this, just like, just like your the premise of your show, right? This shit's been going on forever. You know, I always tell everybody, you know, like before active shooter was the cool thing. Hamilton was talking about it. And it's like, you were talking about it for more than 10 years. But the point is, is like, it took us 10 years where like people started to like, now it's a popular thing. Now it's a buzzword. And I don't mean to downplay it because it's an important thing, but you, you know how I feel about that. When I see some of these fugazis coming out of the woodwork and all of a sudden they're an SME on active shooter. Um, but, but I digress, but you know, it's just, I, I feel like we have leaps and bounds over the past 10 years. And the shame of it is, is that it took us 10 goddamn years to realize that this is an important thing. Um, but I am excited about what the next 10 years is going to bring us because we're finally talking about it. We're finally recognizing that we're ill-prepared and we need to do better. We may have to add like a definition section at the end. Yeah, Fugazi. Like you're taking me back. I, I hear my grandmother. By the book, it's in the book. The definition's yeah. in the book. <laughs> I, I, my grandmother's in the kitchen somewhere right now, like yelling at me, calling me a fugazi. Get out of the kitchen. It's, I like it. Um, I, I caution to say this because I accept. I accept the consequences, I guess, or I acknowledge the consequences. I think we overtrain certain aspects of our violent scene response, very particularly active shooter. I mean, we can put together a multi-jurisdictional, multi-agency exercise and over-focus or hyper-focus on 
tourniquet application, patient removal, lifts, drags, carries, contact time, transport, that kind of, and transport, mm, piquito. We, we over-focus on those things, right? We, we pay attention with a great amount of intensity to the first two hours of an event, the interaction between law enforcement, fire, EMS, and I get it, I get it. You know, the famous statement, as the first line goes, so goes the fire, or your first 15 minutes dictates the next two hours. That's important. Where I think, where I think we're, we're, we're missing a vital component is the next two days to two weeks to two months. That's where I feel like we're ill-prepared, not just as a fire service, but as a community. Because when you look at some of these, some of these events, yeah, the impact is, is mythic. Um, but there's a, there's a, a lasting impact that, that you'll never overcome. I mean, you're, you're, you are never going to be Columbine pre-1999. Not going to happen. It, that is your, that's your name state. Yeah. And I, 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 there's nothing I can disagree on all that. Uh, you're, you're a thousand percent right. Uh, one thing that I don't want to say frustrates me just like for like where you and I work, like I hate that. So I'm a big advocate on repetition training because repetition builds, uh, builds perfection. Right. However, when we do the same scenario, like, you know, cause you've really been, been a, a, a student on this whole thing and have a lot of experience in it on both sides of the coin. But like, when we do train on this, we, we train for like the same old type of the situation. We, you know, we never, we never change it up to an extent. And, and like, that's where we've, we've, we've hurt ourselves like in firefighting training. Right. So like if we do structural drills and we do the same old, if we do the same building that we've always done a structural drill in and the same, you know, way we enter the building when we stretch the hose line and the same way we, we, we search the hallway, um, you know, to, uh, to, to conduct a search. Then while they master those skills, they, they're, they're not ready for any other monkey wrench that's thrown into it. Now, on the flip side of that, I also hate when the world is crashing down, when they do these, these, these culminating training events, I, you know, because it's like, you know, oh, well, there was an active shooter here, but then this guy threw a grenade and an earthquake went off. Like, let's stop. Okay. Like, like we need to focus on one thing at a time. So if we did an active shooter and it was in a school setting and it was one, a single shooter and he came in, you know, through uh, a, a, an open doorway or whatever, we practice that, right. We mitigate that. We practice that. We, we, we crawl, walk, run it. We, we talk about it. We walk through some, some of those scenarios. Then we execute a drill and then we do an after action, see what's what. The next time we throw it in there, we do it in, in a, you know, in a theater environment or at a, a major event, um, you know, change it up, 
don't always do the same thing either. And that's the thing is like, you don't always have to add another shooter either. Like that can happen all day long. It can happen, but statistically it's been single shooters. So that's another thing we fail in when we do training is like, you know, oh, so you got the one shooter. Well, this guy was hiding in the closet and then you got him and it's like, well, this guy zip lined down and he like, get out of here, bro. This isn't die hard. Like nobody zipped in, you know? Um, wait, so, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, totally a Christmas movie. I'm with you there. So is Lethal Weapon. Totally a Christmas movie. Right, right. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to digress. It, no, 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 no. That's that, I, I, I appreciate that sidebar because I agree with that. No, but like that's all. That's just I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. I totally agree, and that's just like one of the things. Like what we're we're doing is we're doing good in training, but then we we're not we're not explaining to people like, like one of the, one of the fails that we have is, is like, if somebody does one for lack of a better term, like we, you know, you and I, we know what we're talking about when we say this. So like we do RTF training, rescue task force training, right? Well, the, how you get there to start one is, is you explain what RTF means and, and what that defines. And you educate your police force because you're working with them on what that defines because some of the police force, and it's not knocking them, it's, it's right for them to believe this. You know, their thought process is, that you're attack medics and most fire departments that are setting up an RTF are not attack medics. They're, 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 they're rescue test force. They're going into, to do triage load, you know, uh, throw tourniquets and get people out, you know, set up a CCP casualty collection point and get these people into that, that safe space and whatever and everything like that. And typically they're deployed when it's warm or cold, right? Um, TAC medics are hot. They're coming in when the cops are going direct to threat. That's not what an RTF is. And so you got to educate that piece and, and, and and I think that that's just stuff that we don't do well yet. At least we recognize that we need to do the training. But one of the things I've re- I've I've just noticed in my experience is you get you get some of those guys like you get like these former sapper guys or, spe- or you know special ops guys and they're gung ho and they're in you know and they, they were once green suitors and now they're cops and that's great and they're direct to threat and they're like we need to co- we need the firemen let's go firemen you're like whoa like. Let's let's talk about this. You know, like, hi, I'm Dave. What's your name? Let's let's get there. You know, um, so it's just like I said before, the whole crawl, walk, run thing, you know, making those introductions all starts with a handshake and a smile, like you say, you know, uh, going over to steps, going over what uh, what what the expectations of the fire department should be, what the expectations of, of the EMTs, whatever, what the expectations of the police force is, how incident command should become a unified command, how that all works what comms are going to be going on, then start to go through the steps of how triage works, why, why it's important to set up a CCP, why it's important to clear rooms, why it's important to have PPE, you know, why it's important to set up a casualty collection point, where that should be. Then do your drill. And then after you've done that, do your after action, but then change the drill up. Add a different type of setting. Add a different type of scenario. You know, These are the things that we just need to continue to get better at. That I don't... I, I don't want to say we're doing it wrong because at least we're doing it. It's just we're, we need to get better at it. Does that make sense? It does. And and it, what you say makes perfect sense. And it changing the setting, changing changing pieces on the board. Maybe your resource package changes. Maybe maybe you have, you know, a working fire in your district somewhere, and then this event kicks off. So your resource package changes. Um, that's real. Perhaps you have, you have, uh, distractionary events that draw resources to a particular area. 
in order to delay response for 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 what the aggressor is doing. That's happened. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of circumstances where outside of active shooter, you're dealing with you know a barricaded subject and 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 there's a fire associated with it. And at that time, they're on the scene. You're trying to figure out how we're going to put water on the fire while maintaining cover and being able to, to, to return aggression should the barricaded subject decide to, you know, throw rounds or, or whatever have you. And that's probably not the best place to do that. I mean, I, people say that all the time, you know, the time to try to figure out your, your plan is not on the emergency scene, but it happens. And recognizing that it happens and preparing and training for that type of event where you do have to figure it out on the fly. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's a decent, that's a decent way to, to move forward. Um, I think there's a couple of points that, that are being missed, forgotten, not highlighted. Um, first and foremost, we stop the killing, we stop the dying, we rapidly transport, and then we initiate recovery. That you can repeat that all day long. That's well understood. It used to be stop the killing, stop the dying, initiate recovery. Then we added rapidly transport, it's hugely important. Uh, a lot of EMS agencies don't have the resource package to transport double digit patients to to a trauma center in, a, in an intelligent amount of time. So you're going to have to you have to use unconventional means of transportation. That's fine. Except that we can we can do that on a fly too. How do you maintain service delivery? Your department, regardless of what comes before that term department, whether it be fire, police, emergency medical, doesn't matter. More often than not, the people who represent those departments are members of their own community and they're responding within their own community. So 75% of the fire service is volunteer. You have an active shooter and you respond to this event. And, you know, take yourself, God forbid, Sandy Hook. If that is repeated, um, Columbine, if it's repeated, one really needs to ask themselves, how do you maintain service delivery? Yes, during your event, that's important. That's a thing to train to. It's not collapse everything on the event. It's collapse a resource package that's intelligent, that's based on the information and, and, and what you have there to deal with the event. But then where are you gonna get your backfill resource to maintain your service delivery? And it may not be immediate. Um, Larger footprints, they already have this in place. It just, it automatically happens. You just start station move ups, things like that. But smaller communities may not. Um, military installations, it's a prime example. If you lost your fire department, if you guys went to an event that was an active shooter and it was horrific, if you're not thinking these guys can't get on the truck tomorrow or Hey, you just drug 
16 bodies out of a building. It was horrific and horrible. And we have a whole bunch of dead and horribly injured people. Some of them, and maybe it's a heavy pediatric amount of people, pediatric patients. What expectation is there that that member is going to finish that tour? That they're going to drag those bodies, they're going to do their stuff, and they're going to go over and wash their hands and clean up and whatever, and get back on the truck and wait for the fire alarm activation or the fire, the car fire, or whatever the next call is. If you think that that is something that they can do or even ought to do, that's a problem. So... How do we train to that? Not just in the immediate, but the long term. Because you are guaranteed. You can hang your hat on it. You're going to lose people. You're going to lose people from this event. Their career is over. They're done. They are never stepping on the truck again. And it could be it could be the 20-something with five years or less on the job. And it could be the person who is retirement eligible but wanted to stick it out further, you are going to lose people from this event. It is going to be so much that they just can't do it. They cannot get back on the truck. How do you train for that? How do you prepare for that? Well, so, I mean, it's, it's, not an in, it's not an easy task. It's, it's an interesting question. It's a great question. <clears throat> One thing is, so part of uh, the the same thing with the the crawl walk run methodology that that same that same token is is uh, when you when you run a drill, you're doing it local to your agency, local to your local police and fire department, right? But that's when I say when we grow in these drills. Like another thing is is we then need to start communicating with our mutual aid partners because these people are coming especially if we call a mass cow or something like that and, and how much uh, buzz that this has generated, um, how much buzz that this has generated as far as popularity. I don't mean to say it like that. It's just, that's reality. It's the best way to describe it. No, um, yeah. People are going to hear this. These buffs are going to hear this and they're going to come responding. And even if they weren't called in and that's okay, you know, cause people, everybody wants to help. Um, but like I said, though, I mean, you know, uh, one of the things we need to do is, is we need to, to once we're training with our local agency, then we need to expand and train with our mutual aid partners and, and the, the, the outside resources that would once well, certainly 100% be coming into this. Um, another thing to, 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 to what you had said um, is the, the mental health training piece of it. Um, the uh, training for management, uh, for leadership on the, uh, on the, what do you call it? Um, on the preparation or procedures on how to run a recall, because inevitably your people are going to be checked out after something like this, not just physically taxed, but a mental, mentally just they're, they're, they're crushed. Um, and even if it didn't hit them yet, it's gonna, um, so best odds is to just, you know, treat it like they were all contaminated. And um, and I don't mean that negatively. I'm saying like you're not going to let them back in the firehouse if they've all been exposed to some kind of, you know, contamination. 
So we'd have to run a recall that way, right? So we need to make sure that we can get you know resources available to us. Whether you're in a career department and you brought in you know overtime, or or you were able to bring in a, a another department to to mine your store and 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 run a crew for you, but uh, like a secondary search, you know, a fresh set of eyes on that, fresh new crew to come in there and finish the rest of the the night is is. At the end of the day, we still got to be readily available to answer emergencies. And these guys mentally are not going to be readily available. I don't care how tough you are. And then physically, it's just it's going to kick your ass. You know, I mean, you're dealing with all this shit. Um, so that's going to suck. So, you know, you got that going against you. So I think that training on introducing resources on how to do better mental health, on how we can help these people go through those stages of grief that they're they're going to go through that's where we fail too we always bring in some quack you know nobody talks to us better than us you know what i mean so like it's like grand muffins and orange juice brother grand right, muffins right, and right, orange. Right. Every, every critical incident is just debris grand muffins and orange juice right. we can't have right. anything fattening no donuts no coffee it's right. gotta be it's gotta be health food yeah i know i know yeah you just turned me off i'm done <laughs> Exactly. If, I can't exactly. Have, if I can't have Dunkin' Donuts and a coffee, I'm out. Right. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, so that's just, we got to do a better job at that. We got to do a better job at the type of people that we have that are supposed to be helping talk to our people about this mental stuff that they're going to deal with. We got to do a better job at, at communicating and then working with and training with our mutual aid partners because um, they're coming. And we got to do a better job at succession planning. What happens after the call? We still have to get on the truck. These guys aren't going to be able to get on the truck. What are we doing then? And that comes through training also. You know, I mean, you prepare for this stuff. You know, you put plans in place. You know, you you run that procedure of even if it's just training your leadership of like, hey, this shit happened. What are we going to do? Here's how you run the list of trying to get people to come back. Or here's the readily available mutual aid partners that didn't respond to the call that will have a fresh crew to mind our store to get us through the night. You know, I mean, you have to come up with that succession planning too, you know, so – there's a lot at play there. All that stuff you said, it just got my wheels turned. It's like, I, you know, I'm not prepared. You know, and I pride myself on like being pretty, you know, forward thinking, you know, 30,000 foot view kind of person. But even I'm like, we don't have that stuff in place right now. So it was great that you brought it up because I don't even think that I'm ready for that or, or my agency is. I'm going to now. I, I think you look at it from, you know, enacting – if, if your state has it, the state mutual aid plan, where, you know, a lot of times that's enacted, you know, God forbid somebody has a line of duty death, they enacted state mutual aid uh, plan, reach out to departments, hey, can you cover, can you cover this department's house from from the point of, of death all the way up to, to funeral and maybe a little bit extra? It's that, it's that, uh, it, it's reaching out for that because you, your, your coverage may be for, for a minute. It may be, you know, a week, two weeks, month much longer. If your yeah. if your footprint is is fenced, like ours is in in, in a military installation environment, um, you know, we we have certain restrictions to to access to things. So maybe maybe you need another military fire department. Um, beyond just fire, there's, there's EMS, there's law enforcement. Um, you may, 
you may have to reach out to a military installation a hundred miles away and say, I need you to send me an ambulance crew and send them with the preparation to be here for 72 hours or something to that effect, not because they're going to respond to the event, but because they're going to be there so that those that did can take a knee for, for, for a period of time. And I don't think, I agree that it, it, this is a command and control thing. This is, this is a chief level um, strategic planning type thing. But I feel like we're not, we're not covering it. We're doing the training. We're doing the drills. We're doing the, the exercises. But as soon as the patient, last patient is transported, we're done. Um, for the, for the, the cops that were there, if you engaged, if you, if you threw rounds, if you fired your weapon, you're done. You're done. As soon as the exigent phase is over, you're done. You're you're going to be talking to investigators. Your weapon is going to have to be brought into evidence because of ballistics. There's you're done. You're out of everything because now, if following most people's policies, you're at a minimum you're on administrative leave. So you're not even allowed to ride the road anymore. And who knows how long that'll be. And when you start doing different jurisdictional things, then it gets, now you're super wonky. Like, did we have an SRT team or a SWAT team come from two counties over? And they're the ones that put the bad guy down. Well, by statute, county to county, if you're touching and neighboring each other, yeah, we're good to go. When you're not, Okay, now we're entering into a, into a different legal realm of what was your authority to be there? Mutual aid, now we, it gets crazy complex. What about that? What about dealing with, with that aspect? And I'd be remiss not to bring it up. Um, outside of the fire service, the infrastructure piece. So Washington Navy Yard. Washington Navy Yard had thousands of employees in the building that was where the shooting occurred. They shifted those workers after the event over to other buildings within the installation to be able to do their work. That building was closed, boarded up, shut down, locked down, 18 months. 18 months. That's how long it took to do the investigations and you know, deal with the other stuff. Um, Fort Hood, seven years. Seven years that MPF facility was closed. Five of which was related to the to the trial and, and all of that. An extra two years because they weren't really sure what they were going to do with it. Um, but seven years. Are you prepared to lose whatever is in your infrastructure for that amount of time. So if you have if you have an incident occur city hall on a military installation headquarters, what are you going to do if you lose that building and you're losing it for years? Because that's what it is, you're losing it for years. As long as there is a trial, that building is going to be locked down 
unusable throughout the, the length of the trial. How do you prepare for that? How, how do you train people, leadership, to plan for that if it's not on paper, number one? Number two, if it is on paper, how do you exercise that in an intelligent way? And it, it's kind of a rhetorical question because it's kind of a brainstorming thing. But your opinion, like, how would you go about trying to deal with that? Uh, so exactly like you just said, you know, it's it's, it's not rhetorical because uh, there's merit to, to the fact that you're asking a question. So that my answer to that is 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 what you just said. It's, it's actually worked out that you said that you said brainstorming. So like, you know, you – You um, <clears throat> just mic him up, just right. Mic him up, bring him around the corner. We'll ask him a couple of questions. Just right, we're gonna we're gonna put him on a spot here in a second. He wants to be funny. Um, if you turn the if you'll turn the thing orange, to, if he can go with green, we can call him Gumby. Right, and then I'm dating myself even further. <laughs> no, but but like you said before about brainstorming, right? So we need to how we get there. The first step would be to have this conversation. And not you and I, everybody. Um, so, you know, for, for the listener, for the viewer, I would say that you need to have this conversation. You need to have this conversation with yourself and your team and then maybe broaden it with your local uh, agencies that would be responding to this. <clears throat> and, then, and then further. Because the, the, the truth is, I'm not knocking anybody. I don't know every fire department. I'm sure there's some that they know or they got a plan or they got it figured out. I'm not prepared. We're not prepared. I mean, we're not, you know, um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I just, I'm just, it's just like, this is, this is like eye opening for me. Like this stuff that you're saying is like, for me, like, I'm just like, we're not ready. You know, uh, I mean, we, we you have to be ready because we got a ton of shit going on and it can happen. I can't prevent it from happening. It can happen. Um, in the in the economy today, in the, in the workforce today, contrary to what you might hear on some local networks telling you that everything's golden and great. You know, we we risk ourselves to having disgruntled people going postal. Remember that term? Um, oh, yeah. You know, so. This is like, we're not ready and it can happen. We live in a climate where people are more on edge than they ever were before because somebody told them that they're supposed to be offended. Um, so, you know, um, we're not prepared. We're not ready. It scares the shit out of me. Uh, I hate that I don't have like a definitive answer because like as you're saying all this, I'm just sitting here like, Christ, like. I'm not ready. You know, my guys aren't ready. Like, what do we do? What are we going to do? What? How does the plan even start? I will just say that my answer would be in this moment, as it has been for everything, is, is it starts with the brainstorming piece. It starts with an idea. Um, and then I'll tell you, like, if you don't know how to get somewhere, and I, I don't mean to be cliche because we were going to get here anyway, so what better opportunity than now? Uh, 
if you don't have the answer or you don't know how to get there, do network with people. I mean, like I, my career has been based off of the people I know, not what I know. I've been fortunate and blessed to have some great cadre of, of influencers, uh, inspirations, mentors, coaches, and, and subject matter experts. And they have all given me nuggets to help me be able to be given a better advantage than going into a blind. So I can tell you with, with no arrogance, no narcissism, just pure fact that my ability and willingness to network with people has been a successful thing. It has not been something that I'm like, well, you know, wish I would have gone on that on my own. Like all of my successes has been off of someone helping me get there. And I can tell you in this, in this, in this subject that we're talking about, reach out to people. I mean, just you, you know, I mean, you got, we got listeners listening in, we got, uh, you know, people tuning in, people live streaming it, watching it you know, not to volunteer you. Cause I know you're busy too, but you know, you're a, you're a tool, you're a resource that people can pull from. And not only that, but you know, people who that you can then put them in a direction to, um, I know a guy. Yeah. Hey, I know a guy. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, right. Right. I mean, but it's a, such a true term, you know, I know a guy, you know, it, it just, it, 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 it's all relevant because it's like, like, I'm sorry, Hammy. It's just, it, as you're saying this, I'm like, you know, like I pride myself on like being pretty proactive and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we're not, we're not ready. Like we're not, you know, I think my guys do a pretty damn good job when they need to, but, but, but nonetheless, we're not ready. I don't, I don't have the answer to that. I'm like, what, what would I do right now? I'm it. I'm the interim chief. What do I do? You know, I'm like, so, yeah, that would be my uh, just my challenge to the listener is, is just accept the humility that I'm accepting right now and just be like, yeah, I don't know, but but I better figure that shit out. It, it's it's arrogant to say that you're ready. Period. Yeah. They it, say, it, well, it's naive. It's just foolish. Yeah, a line of duty death. To deal with the line of duty debt. Oh, right. we're ready. We're prepared. Ready. Right. Now you're we got the bunting. We got the bunting in the closet. I got the Manila sealed folder that the yeah. that the member made, you know, yeah. sealed. We got it a big flag. We're hanging off the that. truck. We're ready. Yep. I got I got the, the, the IAFF funeral guide, the several hundred pages. I know exactly what to hand the corner for the autopsy in order right. for it to be kosher. I know how to how to reach out to N triple F and and give the notification. Right. And, the public safety officer death benefit packet to give to the family to say, Hey, fill this out. I'm ready. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Because anytime you add emotion to something that you haven't gone through, you're not ready. Mm -hmm. You go through your so own personal stages of grief, let alone the agencies, let alone the publics, let alone everybody else. There's there's interpersonal state, excuse me, stages of grief that you would go through in this aspect. You know, how do you how do you mitigate that? How do you navigate through it? And we're a representative of our community. No matter what fire department you're in, it doesn't matter. You are a representative of your community. That's every fire department. There, especially your roots in the tri-state area, 
fire departments were a social a social gathering it was like hey it's a place for us to get out of the house and get together and have cigars and a drink and occasionally if there's a fire we're gonna go deal with that i mean it's i mean that's long island that's my understanding from relatives in the 50s and 60s that's what it was it was a, it was a social it was it's kind of like a, a non-for-profit organization you know we hang out we do stuff right. yeah, and if there's a fire well we're there professional we, you know we do our job we put it out yeah. Yeah. um but you're representative of your community so you have an effect you are affected um it's possible it's actually likely that you're going to have somebody within your organization who has a loved one that was attached to that event and has either been injured mm-hmm. or is not coming home mm-hmm. so they have that whole other level of grief to deal with on top of whatever they dealt with with the response right um captain o'shaughnessy at the route 91 harvest festival shooting he had a guy on the back of his truck whose daughter was calling on the phone because she was at the concert and she got shot and they were the first unit there and had thousands of people swarm in their truck in less than a minute of the first shots being fired so like in my brain how to manage that yeah how do you prepare for something like that you don't think that that's going to happen on your first shift as a captain yeah first cut loose off off of the task book done signed off blessed that's your first shift right it's it it's crazy but again i think we I think we hyper-focused on task-level stuff. I think we hyper-focused in the last five years on the tactical-level stuff. Yeah. And it's important. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not that it wasn't important. But we hyper-focused. Right, it almost became – then we we created a tunnel vision out of it now. Right. Right, I, Right. I, I get where you're going here. Like Hartford Consensus. If you didn't have a tourniquet, you didn't carry a tourniquet, you're a potato head. Fine. What active shooter victim is being saved by a tourniquet that's been applied by fire and EMS? By the time that patient is bleeding out that needs a tourniquet, by the time they have bled out, they haven't been dispatched yet. Yeah. The tourniquet is for the layperson. The tourniquet is for the person who's next to you when you get shot. Right. But we hyper-focused on stop the bleed. Yeah. By the time we get into the scene, if the bleeding hasn't been stopped, you're a black tag. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, that, that, that's what it is. That, the, yeah. Yeah. The no, like, listen, no matter how hard this sounds, that's it. It's shitty. That's the truth. So how do we, it's, it's the shooting forward. So RTF, 
Everything's RTF, RTF, RTF. I will be the first publicly say it, which I'm, I've said it before, but we'll say it again. RTF is a broken concept that for a mass, mass majority of the world can't carry out RTF in the manner in which it is described, defined, and intended. You just can't. The idea that you have a specialized, trained crew that is equipped and prepared and in the right place when the tones go off that can get to the scene, link up with their law enforcement counterparts who they've trained with. It's not somebody from a neighboring jurisdiction. It's not somebody you've never met before. You've trained with them and formulate your team and go into the into the environment. It's crazy. It's crazy. FDNY, it's not a secret. They they have a RTF. They pushed an RTF's concept. And they had the subway shooting. Wasn't an RTF that rescued all those people in the subway shooting. It was the first arriving companies in that battalion. RTF works if it's a pre-staged special event. The president's coming. You got a Fourth of July ceremony. You got a big concert. You got a political gathering. Whatever protest. RTF is, yep, pre-staged. It works. Austin does it fabulously on Sixth Street in that area of the city. They have teams that are set up with little Polaris's that they can. Zip in, scoop up, zip out. Awesome concept. That does not work at the high school at 11 o'clock in the morning under normal business. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's broken. It does well, not work. So one of the issues that I just got to touch on is that everything you're saying is 100% right. Um, so I don't mean to, to lay on this crutch, but I'll just throw it out there. So like. While I 100% agree with you, um, <clears throat> we're not equipped to go in early. They're not putting the finances into the proper PPE uh, for us to go in early. So then you run that that issue of like the safety aspect from, from the incident command side. Like, well, I'd sooner just stand up a rescue task force because at least I know they're not getting deployed until it's warm. And that's not always the answer. It's an answer and it can be, it can work, but it's not always the answer. And that's the issue. So like, just like, you know, in my experience, which is my political way of saying that in my experience, I have heard on, you know, um, like, you know, I, I know a guy who, uh, who experienced uh, maybe not having uh, plates in their ballistic vests in date, you know, asking for a friend. Uh, so, so where I'm going with that is, is like, you know, in the realm of like not having those things financed, um, or, you know, uh, budgeted for, even though you, you express the, 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 the concern or the risk again, asking for a friend, um, you know, that's where it's like, okay, well, all that we can do is rescue task force. We're limited now to only being able to do that. 
And while I'm not uh, against Rescue Task Force because we train on it, and I and I and I and I I understand the need for it, and I and I respect the need for it, and I even appreciate the need for it. I'll advocate for it. I also think that if we were properly equipped, it would be easier to justify the safety concerns, or at least answer the safety concerns of getting our people in quicker than they need to, to start offering the care that they need to. And if we're not going to do that, then we need to have the police force readily available to us to train them on how to properly offer the care. And I'm not knocking the cops because we got the same damn problem with our firemen. Everybody wants to go in and crawl the hallway or stretch a hose. Well, you know, I need a writ team. And I know you don't want to yard bird it or, or be a hefty guy, but guess what? You're going to be out in the yard right now because I need writ. You know, I need somebody to be on the roof. You know, I, I need a backup crew. I need somebody to be filling bottles. I mean, you know, there's always shit assignments. And that's the thing is like a lot of these, these, these cops have the same mentality that we do is everybody wants to fight the fire. Everybody wants to get the active shooter. Well, I need someone in the pool back so we can reassign them to doing this other stuff. It's tough. It, it's that, uh, it's that mirror sticker. You know, the mirror sticker that says, you know, objects appear larger than they are or whatever. It's, right. It's the mirror sticker that says objects in this in this mirror are second due. Right. That means you're outside team. That means you're red. That means you're. Yeah. It, you know what? It's your turn. Exactly. And you'll get another turn. Yeah, you'll exactly. Another we'll turn. I had to okay. do it. It just okay. is what it is. Um Yeah, I mean dropped a couple bombs. There's there's more, but we won't we won't we won't kill that too much. Um The point is is to be forward thinking. It's engagement. Um And as I think, how would this go? It, it, it's based on studying and reading and, and seeing how other things occur. Um, you got to be you, you got to be a student. You you have to always be training, and that doesn't mean being in the classroom, being on the drill ground. That's having an attitude of what can I learn today. And if it's if it's for you, it's for you. If that means you read, you read. Um, if that means you go to the drill ground, go to the drill ground. But it's that that thirst for knowledge, that thirst for reading and, and more. And when I think about the book, I think that, that that's hammered home pretty hard. And I think that if you read it, you, you, you should come away pretty, pretty energized and invigorated into training con conceptually and what, what to do, how to, how to look hard and take a real honest, unobjected look, hanging up your ego, hanging up where the best hanging up all of those things that block us from being excellent. I hate to say that because it sounds very cheaply, but being excellent. 
the book steers you in that way into where are we? Where do I want to be? How can I get there? And why do I want to be there in the first place? And I, I think it's awesome that you took the time, energy, and effort to do that. I was honored to contribute to your book. Beyond honored. I was honored um, to have you. And I, one of these days I might actually do a book. I hope you do. But the, the amount of work that it took to contribute, I can't imagine. It was two years just to write the damn thing, plus doing my master's. This is awful. Yeah, Chrissy Chris, is a saint. <laughs> yeah, she's a saint. Yeah, and being a being a Puerto Rican married to an Irishman, I'm surprised you're alive. <laughs> I know you have puncture wounds somewhere. <laughs> I know you do. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna leave that there. But right, um, right, right. <clears throat> I also think, obviously, the book is themed for the fire service for sure. I think it's all. I think it's all services. Right, I I'm think glad it's you all said services, that. And I think it is. If your job is to train an adult, whether that be uh, at the collegiate level, whether that be at the occupational level, professionally, there is so much that you can glean from the book and incorporate. It is, I, it's awesome. Um, Your, your thoughts on the application of the book outside of the fire service. Because the fire service, I mean, we beat the hell out of that. I know that you beat the hell out of that elsewhere. But since we're a multi-disciplined show for the most part, how can, how can, how can the cop use your book? Right. So um, I didn't overly elaborate because I didn't want to get caught down rabbit holes. So there was, uh, you know, it's just through some, there's a process when you do a book. So there's, you know, there's peer review and then, and then there's, and then there's your friends review and your friends are going to give you honest stuff. Some friends will give you, you know, Hey bud, looks good. You know, but then others, you know, you'll ask them what they think. And, you know, like Frank Ritchie, like Frank Ritchie gave me honest, honest, hard truth on stuff, you know, but that's what you want. So um, where there were times where I went down rabbit holes and elaborated, overly elaborated on like a subject like this, like active shooter, we tighten it up a little bit, but we, we, we touch on it so that it sparks the interest. The idea behind the book is sure. Okay. Uh, my, my background is fire and emergency services. That's the thing that I, I don't know if I'm an SME on, but that's the thing that, that I'm the most experienced in. Right. So um while there's a focus for that, while there's a niche for that, while the front cover is a picture of me at West Point and fire gear while we're doing a live burn, you know, yeah, it's a fire service book, but it's a book about how to be an educator nonetheless, how to handle things nonetheless, uh, type of shit you go through, how to plan through it, how to, na how to navigate through it, how to coach people, how to mentor people, how to be an inspiration, how to develop others, how to want to develop others. Um there's breakout scenarios in there. There's, there's rhetoricals. There's a lot of rhetorical questions in there. And I had to explain that to people. It's on purpose. So like, 
I have some hypotheticals and then some real life experiences that I put in these test your understandings or these practical uh, scenario, practical situation breakouts that I have throughout the book. Some of them may seem a little goofy. Some of them have been washed for political reasons so that I didn't incriminate either myself or, or, or the scenario. But nonetheless, I felt it was important because there was growth in what I did. So as you read through it, there's going to be these breakouts of this test your understanding. And it may seem rhetorical like, well, yeah, duh. Well, yeah, but I want you to have that response because if you didn't have the response of, well, yeah, obviously it's this, that's the problem. So then you, you, as you read on, you'll see like, no idiot, you're wrong. This is actually how you should handle this, you know? Um, But it is, it's like, it's called the training officer because the book is about that. We talk about a lot of stuff training officers encounter and how they develop their people. My experience no matter what positions I hold or, or any more that I grow in the fire service, the most important position in the fire service and in life is that of the training officer slash teacher slash instructor slash coach. These people are the most influential and the very nature of their job is development. They develop people. They develop us. And um, there's 10 chapters and through all the 10 chapters, the biggest takeaway that I want anybody to get, whether you like things, disagree with them, didn't understand what I was saying, give a shit. It's not that expensive. Buy it anyway. You know, um, there's a couple, even if you took four nuggets, it was worth it. You know, um, it, nonetheless, it, the, the, the driving force was to basically just for me to share some of my experiences and some of my friends experiences of people that I know that do training with you. So you understood what it was like to, to you know, to, to, not to play on words, but, you know, do you have what it takes? You know, it's a question that I had to ask myself. Do I have what it takes to, to, to do this? Because it's a lot more than what I thought it would be. And it's not just narrowed to the fire service training officer, though most of it is that because that's my experience. Most of it is wrapped and sexed up in that because that's my experience. It's applicable to almost any type of educator. Uh, there's there's pieces in there for anybody to do any type of developmental education for people. I, I believe that. I'm not saying it because I wrote it. It's just that's how I wrote it, and that's what I was driving at. You know, I had teachers and guidance counselors review certain sections because I wanted them to tell me, like, would this be applicable to something you do? And they're like, yeah, wow, that's so cool. You guys do that in the fire service? I'm like, yeah, that's the misconception is people just think we drag hose. You know, we're in the business of people. We, when we develop those we do people. algebra we right. do algebra right i want to find my algebra teacher <laughs> and say you were right <laughs> i want to shake i want to shake the shit out of my algebra teacher because you were right and right. it pisses me off right you know because pump there's nothing you're going to do in life where you're not going to have to know this math is in everything in life i'm going to be a fireman bro i don't need to know this shit bullshit we right. were wrong i was going to be a knuckle dragon hose yeah which is why I gravitated towards the truck. Kilonewtons, uh, whatever. Still yeah, mad. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I think it's great, dude. I, my, my hat is off to you to the efforts that it takes to write a book. Yeah, I appreciate um, it. It's not easy. I, I, I think, I think a lot of people are gonna are gonna get a lot out of it, and. You change the fire service. I hope. I appreciate that. You change the fire service and you and you're 
you're changing individuals. Yeah, not improving them in, in, in a positive way. Right, it, right. It, it, That's why I just said improving. Like I, I, I don't look to, and I appreciate what you're saying. I know it's not what you meant. I don't look to change anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you, you're like, like not to quote Michael Jackson, like he was some friggin' philosopher, but like you know, the man in the mirror song. You know, I'm going to make a change for once in my life. You know, I'm going to. It starts in the mirror. Right. So like if I'm going to change anybody, I got to worry about me. But I'm I would like to serve in the position or the capacity of being in some form position of influence to help improve how people do things, their understanding of the of their environment and what it really means to do what we're supposed to do in the fire service. Like especially in the training realm, like like you don't take this because you couldn't hack it on the truck. You don't take this because it's a segue to making the promotion or putting on a white shirt or extra bugles. You take it because you truly want to help make your people and your in your place better. And yeah, and that's absolutely. you know that's I mean that's what I try to do. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be some friggin' you know overzealous uh, uh, cliche yuckle buck and say this kind of stuff. I, I'm I sincerely anybody that knows me knows I'm I'm I mean that shit when I say it. You know. I know I could be a jerk off with certain things, but the one thing that you'll never take away from me is I'm very passionate about developing people and trying to help people make a better version of themselves and thus make what we do better. Yeah. And you're not a jerk off. This is a PG oriented. You never watched my show because I curse in my show. You're a fugazi. That's what it is. Once I heard yeah. a Villo cursing in Duffy's show, but him and him and Duffy, I'm not blaming Anthony. Anthony, I'm not blaming you. I love you. But I was always tiptoe because I'm a Jersey guy and it slips out. Like the F word is like, ah, for us, you know? And I'm listening. I wasn't even listening. Duffy and Anthony had me on their show one time and Anthony's dropping F. And I'm like, oh, bro, this is car blanche. Like I'm doing it too. Like what am I tippy toeing for? <laughs> hey, you know, if again, if you're from the tri-state area, English is your second language and profanity right. is your right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And and Avillo, he has to he has to cuss. Right. He's I don't think he will talk to me. He's a consigliere. The way uh, consigliere. Analyze this. Um, he's a consigliere to the Connecticut Godfathers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, you, Norwood, Duffy, Ricci. Yeah, it, the list is long. Right, but ha- having having said all that, to to the production team that's going to edit this, so we need a definition of fugazi, and we're going to need a link to Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror, because the twenty anybody who's in their twenties is like, right, what? God rest his soul. But Bobby would hear me say that, and he'd be like, Dave, why are we quoting Michael Jackson? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people at Man in the Mirror. I'm, what song is that? I, I guarantee you, I got people on the job that have never seen the movie Heat. Oof. Exactly right. That's hey. a rough time. Yep. Done. Enough said. So, anyways, we we, we hit we hit the, the magic hour mark, which actually we went over, but with you and I, it's not a shock. Right. That's actually short uh, for us. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty normal. Um, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I think, uh, we, we met the intent. The intent was to set the stage to go, oh, shit. Right. And that's and what happened to me. Think of it from a training standpoint. Okay. Yeah. We need to make a change 
all change starts in training. All change starts in training. How do we train to that? And and even if you are doing your statewide mutual aid exercise, where you're going to call all the fire departments and say, we have X problem. What resources can you send? How, how long can they be there? And what time can they arrive? Make it an active shooter call. Make it an active shooter call. And instead of making it 72 hours, make it seven to 10 weeks because it might be what you're looking at. It really did. It really might. And how do you wipe out your, how do you wipe out an entire shift of your department? Cause that, that very well could be what you're looking at. Um, again, I love you. Thank you so much for coming on and I will leave you with the last word. Um, let us know where to get the book, when it's coming out. And when we push this out, um, we'll add a link so that people can get the book. Maybe. Maybe. My show, we're adding a link. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. So one, I love you too. You know that, um, you know, you, you, uh, so just real quick, I, I, um, <clears throat> I'm not going to take too much time. I'll just say this. I talk about networking all the time. Uh, my successes in what I'm doing with fire engineering and FDIC is because Hamilton introduced me to people and vouched for me. Um, and I'll never you forget that. Nah, I'll never forget that. Um, and, uh, and that's important. And that's why I tell people all the time, like I am living proof that networking works. Um, so, um, now it was, it was a lot of good stuff. It was a lot of eye-opening stuff for me. And I, I say that and with no arrogance, it's just, if I had this epiphany or this flooring moment, like, oh, I expect the people that were listening to this to feel the same way. Like, are we really prepared? Are you really prepared? Are you ready for this shit that he was just saying? Cause I'm not. And it was eye-opening. Um, so I do, I appreciate that. Uh, the book is available now. We're doing a holiday sale until the new year, uh, where it's at a discounted price. I think it's like $5 less or $10 less than normal. I don't know. Um, it's on, it's on Amazon, uh, but it's also on firefighterbookclub.com. We're hoping that FE would pick it up. Uh, we've, we've been in the works of talking to them about reselling, so it could be available to them. Hopefully fingers crossed. Maybe now that I plugged it on here, maybe they'll be enticed. Who knows? But, um, yeah, but nonetheless, um, had a lot of great contributors, uh, to include you in there. A lot of big name authors, people that have been doing this a long time, like champ, uh, unlike the magazine, I put champ in the front. He said, Oh, you should put me in the back, like a back cover. I wanted him right in the front. I want everybody to hear from champ. Cause he's been a God for me since I started the fire service. Cause he's originally a Jersey boy. So, um, I put champ right up front, um, where he deserves to be. And, uh, and you know, and I, uh, and we just, we got a lot of great people in there. Frank Ritchie wrote the forward, uh, Frank Viscuso ends it on the last chapter of his contribution. Uncle Larry's in there. PJ Norwood's in there. Jim Moss, uh, you know, we, we got uh, Mike Scotto's in there, uh, Steve Prisbrowski, and then uh, Connor Miller, who's a lieutenant up at West Point, is just one of the most uh, uh, unknown, smartest dudes I ever worked with in the firehouse, fully capable. And then my buddy Scott Little, uh, who's a fire chief down here in PA at Manhattan Township. I got a lot of great people that contributed to that book and helped out bring it to where it needs to be. Oh, and Tommy Merrill. Sorry, Tommy, the volunteer, the, 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 the professional volunteer, because we needed to talk about training volunteers and who better to know that yeah. than Tommy. Merrill. 
you know? So, um, so anyway, the book's available now. It's discounted now through the new year. So I suggest you buy it now. If you buy it on firefighterbookclub.com, literally spelled that way, firefighterbookclub.com. It's discounted, I think, at 35 And then on Amazon, it's at like 38 If you got Prime, it's free shipping, and they're promising that it'll be there before Christmas off of Amazon right now. And it's called The Training Officer, Do You Have What It Takes? And it's by me, David McClinton. Um, But no, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. It's just, uh, you know, I love you, brother. I appreciate doing this kind of stuff. I I almost never say no. I have my own show and I'm always busy as shit. And whenever somebody asks me to do it, I do it. Mark knows that. I've I've been on other people's show on on top of mine. Mark and I have gotten real close over the past six months. (laughs) (laughs) But no, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And uh, happy holidays to everybody. Happy Hanukkah. We're finishing that up. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I got my show coming up, I think, a couple days after you, and I, I, I have that format where I talk about – anybody that knows me knows I'm a Beatles fan. And, you know, John Lennon has the War is Over song. He says, so this is Christmas and what have you done? Another year over and a new one just become, begun. So I'll, I'll end it with that. Is we're approaching the end of the year. Are you satisfied with how the year went? And if you're not, look back and see how much you've grown and how much your organization has grown since last year. I'll leave you with that. Thank you. That's uh... – Hey, leave it to you to leave it on a trick. Are you satisfied with the year? The answer has to be no. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it listen, better I'm be a no. Fan, bro, I got to leave a riddle, you know? <clears throat> I, I mean, all right. I, well, listen, I got one swallow left of Tullamore Dew. Yeah. That, mean, that means we're done. Um, God bless. Be safe, have a happy holiday, take care of one another, and we'll see you next time. The Fire Store, equipping protectors with passion. Every decision the Fire Store makes as a company is about its customers. As the holiday season has quickly approached, Explore a wide selection of unique and practical gifts at the Fire Store's Gift Center. Find the perfect presence for firefighters, EMTs, and first responders today. The Fire Store's goal is to get you the gear you need, when you need it, at prices you can afford. Visit thefirestore.com for everything but the truck and shop its family of brands including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com.